Well, we're continuing in our um, series, God's Ideal. We really only just uh, got started. You have that um, handout in front of you. We looked at death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Um, we talked about that a great deal, how our words can give life, um, gospel life, encouragement, and how our words, when they're used sinfully, um, unbiblically, they, they can do such great, such great um, damage. Words matter. Our words do matter. And um, we're looking at that, that, that topic um, because it's something that is so needful for our own lives. We looked at the first two points and only just began to step on the third one, but we said in the first point, word problems are really heart problems. I spoke with several people over this last week that, well, I think they knew that before. It really sort of hit home. Um, we speak out of our heart. And so word problems are really heart problems. I don't have this in your handout, but you could write this great quote. The heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. When you're starting to have a problem with communication in your home, uh, in, in, in work, whatever it is, the, the heart of the problem is the problem in the heart. So you're always asking yourself, what's going on in my heart? What's, what's going on in the heart of the person who responded the way they did? We speak out of, of our heart. And, and understanding that as a, as a basis will help us to grow and to understand all the rest that God says about um, communication. Secondly, we said, I am my greatest communication problem. And uh, we looked at the passages there in Luke 6 which says very clearly that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, we, we talked about um, the great need for the spiritual disciplines because we must be um, controlled by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit needs to be operating in my life because it's the only thing that can control the tongue. The tongue, James says, is a roaring fire left to its own. It, it, it devours, it destroys. And we have all experienced that time or times when perhaps somebody else's tongue devoured and destroyed and, and, and hurt you. And if we were all honest, there have been times when our tongue has not been filled with the Spirit and we devoured or destroyed or, or harmed some, someone else. And so <clears throat> that's why it's so important to think right and to renew our minds. And so um, that's where we really, really ended and we're picking up, um, if you will, on point three, I speak many words every day. Now, I know that's an obvious point, but we all do. And, and we're accountable to those words. Perhaps as many as seven to 16,000 words a day, the average person speaks. I, I saw a joke, and I have to be careful with my words here, but, but the the joke goes something like this, that the upper end there, the 16,000, is all women. And uh, the reason it's 16,000 is because the men aren't listening and they have to say it to the men over and over and over again. So I don't know if there's any, any, any truth in that, but regardless, 
a lot of words we all say. And um, Proverbs, I have only two of them there. We'll look at, we'll jump right into Proverbs next week. But um, here's two that would apply to this that are, that are warnings right from the Bible. When there are many words, transgressions are unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Um, Proverbs 13.3 says, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life, but the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. This matter of words is, is just so critical. Um, I'm going to show you just one application. Open, if you would, to 1 Timothy um, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. As we go through here, again, thinking about the fact that we speak out of our mouth, and, uh, and, and so there, when our, what, what's the gap between what we say and what we do? Um, and as someone that's in leadership, spiritual leadership, but someone that's in leadership at the home, a mom, a dad, just, just as believers supposed to be giving leadership through light to the world. I want you to notice what Paul is saying here to young Timothy. This is called a pastoral epistle. And, and Timothy, comparatively speaking, is a young pastor. He has the qualifications, the qualities. And, and, and in this epistle, Paul is laying out to him how to shepherd the church of God and how the church of God should be ordered and, and, and literally how to pastor. And I think this is amazing. Look at chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul is instructing Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness, okay? But rather in, what's the next word? Speech. I mean, you would, you would think that this young man, that with all the things that Paul could say to this young man, there might be a hundred other things he'd be saying to him, but the very first thing he says is, and, and look at the context there, the context is that your speech is going to be, look at the bottom, show yourself an example to those who believe. If you're going to be in a place of leadership, you have to show yourself an example. One of the ways we show ourselves as example is that our walk and our talk match. Our words matter. They come out of our heart. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, look at it again. Let no one put down your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct. See how they go together? Speech, conduct. Let what you say and what you do in love, faith, and purity show yourself an example. Now, I don't know, in my mind, just me, I would have thought, well, we'd say love and purity... Uh, We'd say all those things first. The very first thing Paul is saying to a young man, be careful when you open your mouth. Well, he's saying that in essence to all of us. Be careful when you open your mouth. Because your mouth and conduct need to match each other. And what should that conduct be like? Well, it should be love. Though I speak with a tongue of men and angels, and have not what? Love. I am as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Without love, all I communicate 
nothing. Vanity, worse than nothing. And so I, my speech is important. It goes with my conduct. And that should be out of love, by faith, in purity. And then that shows everybody else an example of what a believer looks like. We should be asking ourselves as we go into this subject, honestly, because we talk thousands of words a day. Do we show by our words and our walk love, faith, and purity that would be an example to the whole world that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is my Lord? And my words reflect that as does my conduct. And that's just one example. So um, we speak many, many words, and it becomes very ordinary to us if we're not careful. And it's oftentimes in the ordinary that um, we say something unguarded, so we need to be careful. I can remember as a young man, I can go either way on this, but I'm just giving you an example how a good brother said to me, I, I really don't advise you to go to the back of the church after the message and shake hands with everybody. Because in just two or three minutes, you are going to speak just four or five words to a hundred people. And the danger is those four or five words will be unguarded. And because they're unguarded, it's amazing what you can say in a few minutes that can hurt damage, not be truthful, lack integrity, lack grace, lack wisdom, all, all of those things. I, I think you could take that to an extreme, but as, as a young man, as a young pastor, that was good, that was good advice. Um, we have to be careful with our speech. Before you speak, don't think, don't speak all you think. Now, I put a little smiley face there, but that's also uh, appropriate, right? Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. It's the right time and the right place and the right way. You can say something, and what you say may be true, but it might have been said in the wrong way. It might have been said at the wrong time. It might have even been said to the wrong person. So that's all part of God's ideal in communication, which we will be looking at in some detail. Look at number four. Let this weigh upon you. I know we know it, but I just want to set, this, set the tone, set the, 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 the bar, God's bar, on this whole idea of communication. I am accountable for every word I speak. Now think about that. If, if even every one of us here spoke the minimum, 7,000 words a day for the last seven days, and we're accountable for every one of those words, does that put any fear and tremble in you? Uh, then I'll take you back to the fear of the Lord a, a, a little bit. And, and, and the idea here isn't that I'm afraid to speak, but the idea here is that I'm conscious of the fact that I'm an ambassador for Christ. So what I speak and how I speak is enormously important in every situation. And so that's the thought here. Jesus, of course, was um, speaking in Matthew uh, 12, 
the scribes and Pharisees and all sorts and manners of, of people who were um, focused fo- totally on the external rather than the internal. But nevertheless, he says here very clearly, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Why? Because in the context, Jesus is saying, out of the mouth is the heart. And, and you're either speaking out of the heart in integrity that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my shepherd. I follow him because I've heard his words of life and his words of life by faith have transformed me. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And this is true of me. But there will be people in that day, according to Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, that will say, did I not do and did I not say all of these things? And Jesus will say to them in that day, Depart from me, you wicked and accursed, into everlasting judgment. Why? Because words come out of our mouth, but they must match what was in our heart. Our words ultimately will will show our, our character. And so it's very, very important this whole topic. Uh, Somebody said this when it comes to speech, be worth writing down. Say what you mean, mean what you say, never be mean when you say it. Let me say that again. Say what you mean, mean what you say, never be mean when you say it. Number five. We all need to reconsider David's prayer concerning his meditation and the heart words. Look, if you would, at Psalm 19. I do have the verse, but this is a, an amazing psalm. The beginning of the psalm lays out the creation of God. It says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. And so there's the, there's the work of God, but then there is the, the word of God in here, talking about words. You see, God's creation all by itself never brings somebody to Christ. God's creation shows his glory shows without a mistake that he's the creator, that he's above all, that he's magnificent in all of his attributes in every way, but that alone saves no one. You can't go look at a beautiful sunset and think that's going to save you. There are people all over the world that worship the sun, worship the mountains, worship the ocean, worship every single thing. That saves no one. It's just the magnificence of God creation because God is a verbal God Words matter in the beginning, God. And he spoke the world into existence, and he reveals himself to us, empowered by the Spirit, through his word. And that's the second half of this song. 
Verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Every one of those things you can just say is word, his word, his word, his word, his word. Words matter. David, pondering the glory of Christ and the significance of God's words. And then he comes to this verse that we often quote and would be a good prayer for us. But we need the weight, I think, of those two things to grasp that verse. Look what it says. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's a good way to pray because our, our words should be pleasing to the Lord. One of the biggest problems that we have in communication is the fear of man. I, I, I say, if I'm not careful, what I think you want to hear. I hear, I say what I, what I think somebody else wants to hear. And I don't say perhaps what should be said because I'm afraid you won't like me. I'm afraid you won't reject me. Now, the fear of the Lord says that I need to let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. By the way, do you see in here how clearly David connects the words I'm going to speak are a product of the what? The meditation of my heart. Meditation of my heart. And I want them to be acceptable to the Lord. When was the last time you prayed that? God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable or pleasing to you. Let me say this as clearly as I know how. If my words are pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. It makes no difference whether they're pleasing or acceptable to you. I don't mean any harshness in that statement. But at the day of judgment, you won't give an account to me. Rather, I give an account to God. The only thing that matters is that I've been a servant that's been well-pleasing to him. Now, let me turn that around. That's the same with you. It doesn't really matter whether your words please me. What really matters is do your words please God? Because if your words and my words please God, and if we are growing in Christ, they will please us. Do you understand that? Uh, we even may need to be shepherded sometimes. Telling the truth in love isn't always easy. It's not always received the first time. But, but when our words please the Lord... It doesn't really matter whether they please anybody else. Many a man and woman have gone to the stake. Many a man and woman have stood in front of a judge and heard condemned to death, condemned to the cross, condemned to the fire. And yet they took that because they knew words would matter and they would not deny their Lord. They knew that saying... Jesus isn't Lord. The Bible isn't true comes out of a heart. I can't deny 
what's in my heart, even if I die, because I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be pleasing to God. That sort of puts that prayer in a little different light, doesn't it? And yet that's, that's how serious this whole idea of God's, communica- um, God's ideal in communication is. Six and seven, and really the rest of these, which I'll hurry through, um, just build on that. Another good prayer to pray is Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This very morning, which is our practice every Sunday, Judy and I pray this prayer together because we know we're going to speak between the two of us to scores and scores of people. We have said the wrong things before to people we love, and we try to learn. I'm not at all confident or overconfident that I can go a day um, without praying, God, guard my mouth. God, may my words be your words. May they be consistent with you. May I, may I walk in your truth. May I speak your truth. And so we, we need that help, all of us. It isn't just that I need it or that Judy needs it. We all need it. And that's God's ideal in, in communication. Number seven, Paul asked for a prayer that he would have an opportunity to speak the gospel clearly. So that's another aspect of of communication that we'll talk about. I I wanted to bring this to you because I I want you to see something here that is... Most of us don't know Greek or Hebrew, which would include me. But you can see it with the translators very nicely here. I want you to see that in Ephesians 6... And in Colossians 4, both are connected with prayer. We also think of Ephesians 6 as the spiritual warfare, um, putting on the armor of God passage. And um, similarly, in Colossians uh, 4, verse even starts here, devoted to prayer. But I want you to see in both of these things, Paul has turned, and he's asking these two churches to pray for him. And he's he's asking that they pray for him that a door of opportunity would open for the gospel. That should bring conviction to our hearts. When was the last time we asked anybody to pray for us that a door of opportunity for the gospel would open? Many asked that this morning, that we would pray that, that a door of opportunity would open, that people would hear the gospel in the service this afternoon. And, and look exactly what, what Paul says and think about it in terms of everything we've said uh, about prayer. And pray on my behalf that utterance or speech, if you will, may be given to me in the opening my mouth that I might make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador, in Paul's case in chains, that in proclaiming, look at these words, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May I suggest to you as believers there's a way we ought to speak and there's a way we ought to be able to speak boldly 
Boldly doesn't mean harshly. Boldly doesn't mean arrogantly. But boldly means we believe a truth and that what we're speaking are not our words, but his infallible word. 4.2 is the same thing in Colossians. Devoted, devote yourselves to prayer. Keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well. Please pray for me, saying that God will open up the door for the word. Look at that. So that I may speak. I, I, need, I need the control of the spirit to speak rightly. And so he, he asked that I may speak forth the mystery of Christ, the gospel, for which I've been imprisoned. Look, he says the same thing here. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. At a minimum, we ought to pray for that for ourselves quite often, uh, that we would have gospel opportunities, that I would be bold, that I would be clear, and that I would speak as I ought to speak. Do I even dare ask for a big amen? Thank you, sir. Yeah. The gospel. Words. Words matter. Words of life. Wonderful words of life we sang this morning. Look at point eight. Peter instructed his readers similarly, and this would certainly apply to us today when it comes to communication, but sanctify, set apart. That's the verb here in this statement. We are to set apart our speech. How? He's going to describe it. Sanctify Christ as the Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. We need to be ready. We know in another passage he says our speech should always be seasoned with what? Salt. We're ready, speaking how we ought to speak. Look at the last one. A communication command from Hebrews chapter 10, 24, 25. This is, I'm sure, incredibly familiar to you. There's three verbs in here. Let us consider, not forsake, and encourage one another. You could make this a, a, a three-point outline. You could sit there and say, look, we have the responsibility when it comes to communication to consider one another. Before you come here, I'm going to consider my brothers and sisters in Christ. For what purpose? I, I, I'm going to consider them so that I might encourage them. That word has the idea of build up or stir up. It actually has both. I want to stir them up by building them up. I'm going to encourage them. And so it's, it's a communication command. And, and it's something that we're called to obey every time we gather. We don't forsake because we need encouragement. How many people need encouragement? And, and listen, we, we all do. Now, I grant you, I prepared this lesson so I'm eating and sleeping this, and you're not. I, I, I totally get that. So let's, let's, let's lay that out there, that presupposition. But this very day, I walked in here and just greeting people. Someone said to me, how are you doing? And I said... It's just me. I'm nuts. How many people know I'm nuts? I said, I'm doing 
Sherry. I'm doing expialidocious. What's that word? Anyhow, you know, you know the song, right? I told him I was doing expialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. And then I said, but I can't spell it. You know what that person said to me? I wish I had some of that. And the next thing I did, having no idea I would ever have that conversation, but praying, before I ever came here, I said to them, Romans 12.12, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And constant in prayer. I rejoice in hope because of the gospel and the fact that every situation I am, no matter how trying, I can be patient in that because Christ is forming in me for his glory and my good. And so therefore I need to constantly pray that in every situation I might speak as I ought to speak and be ex, be expialidocious for the, for the glory of God. And so I gave to that person, not my words, but his word. Because his word is the word that will take and build and edify people. We, we can all be busy about doing that, but in order to do that, we have to consider one another. We, we have to assemble with purpose, and then we have to look to encourage and edify. Now, don't, don't get carried away. 90% of my conversations, I'm not taking and quoting some Bible verse to a person. Okay, you don't have to hit them over with the King James. Uh, I used to call it the Jerry Falwell King James Bible. You, you don't have to do that. I'm, don't go overboard with what I'm saying. Take balance, but the power is in the what? In the word, because the spirit takes the word. But we should be speaking and communicating in one another as we gather here, and that's all part of communication. So... We're going to look at this as we go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm out of time. You see the applications there. And next week we'll hop into, into Proverbs and we'll start pulling Proverbs apart as to what it teaches us, how it instructs us on the wonderful words of life. Father in heaven, would you take your word and would you apply it to every heart here today in the way that would be most beneficial for your glory and for their good. Oh, Father, thank you for your book and that you have communicated to us the gospel. And we can gather like this and we can celebrate it. May you receive honor and glory and praise as we lift our voices and worship, as we speak the truth one to another, as we encourage one another, as we pray with and for one another today. Be glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.